How many of you have been reading in the Daily Bible? Hold your hands up. Look at that. Look at that. Not bad. Not bad. So you read this last week about uh, every pastor's fantasy. They took a collection for the um, tabernacle, and it was so much Moses had to tell them to knock it off. Any chance that could happen? <laughs> I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And uh, people here have been being faithful and gracious, and uh, God has been providing. We're actually... Bless the Lord, right? I'll just stop right there, because if I say we're doing well, some of you will stop. <laughs> so let's pray together. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, God. There's no more perfect gift. I was pondering... Whew. As we sang that song, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's worthy of much more than we're delivering. So God, we worship you and bless you. We worship the lamb of God, Jesus, our savior, who takes away the sin of the world. And so God, as we give, your word tells us, you want to bless those who give, and so do that. And we want to contribute to your kingdom. This is your money, not ours. We don't control it. If we give with strings attached, we better not be doing it at all. So help us honor and glorify you, please. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you'd be so kind as to take the offering. And we're not going to sing until later. The next song we're going to sing is Holy, Holy, Holy. Anybody know that one? It's classic. And I'd really like to invite you to enter into it with, uh, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? So, <laughs> I have a... Yeah, that's all right. You can get some more coffee if you need to. That's a, I know exactly how you feel. I have a bunch of announcements, so I'm going to walk us through. Plus, I wanted to speak into the daily Bible reading. I actually have gotten some questions. Was that Kathy? Thank you, Kathy. And yes, I have the answers. But before I go there, let me mention a few things. One is this afternoon, there's small group training. Okay, for those of you who are small group leaders, stay Kathy wonderfully is providing vittles for us, makes it easy, and then uh, just hang out. And I'm promising, I broke my promise last time. I, I, how many pastors do you know would admit they're liars? <laughs> I said we'd be done by, I hoped, uh, 1.30. We will go out the door at 1.30. I don't care if I'm in the middle of a conversation or you're in the middle of a conversation. We will. Second thing I want to say about that is next Sunday in the afternoon, 4 o'clock, Joe, where are you? What are you hiding for? Um, the marriage groups uh, are inviting anyone who'd like to come and sit in for a little video session and, and thing at 4 o'clock in the auditorium. And uh, if you haven't availed yourself of a marriage group, you certainly are free to do so or the next round as uh, they walk us through, and it'll be very relevant considering the topic this morning. Some of you already know what I'm talking about, probably, and decided some people decided to go home. I don't know. <laughs> that was just a joke. Anyway, 
Let me mention uh, several things. So if you're visiting with us today, we're delighted that you're here. There are little, why are you shaking? Are you visiting? You're a regular. Um, there are little cards in the seat somewhere. You can help yourself fill out the information. We would love to just say hi. We won't nag you. We won't pester you. We try not to make people feel pressured or embarrassed. And if somebody does that to you, you come and tell me, and then they will never do it again. I can promise you. <laughs> there will be a child protective program training on Saturday, March 25th at 10 a.m., those of you who work in ministries with children, it is mandatory. If you've never done it yet, you need to call Jody. Uh, she's leading that. Uh, small group leaders, I already mentioned. Okay, so a while back I mentioned we will be speaking a little bit into the future and where we need to go as a church. I don't, like, uh, don't want to take a lot of time today or we won't get into some of the things we need to get into but I will say this, I mentioned a while back needing some help. I appreciate having Pastor Tim on team to help with our youth. And uh, we have a fine gentleman, an import as a matter of fact, who has agreed to serve alongside me in a part-time capacity as an administrative assistant uh, pastor. And that is Derek Balaam, if he would be so kind. Stand up, Derek. That's because I am not an administrator, and anybody who's gotten close to me knows that to be true. So he's going to straighten me out, and things will run a lot better starting next week. And by the way, God, God actually provided for this, so it's really not crimping anything. So God's watching out. For, I, I have an expression. You don't have to claim it. My wife and I, God watches out for his idiots, so I'm safe. I'm safe. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. We have a sister church. Some of you remember at my installation, Gershwin Grant, who spoke to us. Do you remember Gershwin? Uh, and uh, he, he is pastoring a mostly African-American church in Ossining, New York. He was very humorous. Everybody enjoyed him. In fact, they liked him more than me. I don't know how I felt about that. Uh, him and Ray Lightcap. And... Um, but Gershwin Grant is in a church that is one of our CB sisters, and they have um, gorgeous old historical facilities that are a wreck. Small struggling congregation, a very needy community, by the way. So a group of churches have decided we would link arms and help with some construction and some funding and whatever to get them up to speed. Their main sanctuary has literally been off limits. They're meeting in what they call their annex, kind of crammed, because they were flooded two years ago. And so there's all kinds of work to do. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but Glenn Peterson, if you would stand up. By the way, if you don't recognize him, it's because he cut his beard off. I don't know about... What is with all the wooing today? We like that. Right? It's pretty foxy, dude. Okay. That is Glenn Peterson. If you're interested in helping, uh, let me see. What was the date, Glenn? April 8th, a workday from 8 to 4, cross the river. You have to go all the way across the mighty Hudson, down to Ossining, but it's for a noble cause. If you can paint or scrape or do demolition, now who can't do demolition? 
that's what they need for this first time. And uh, I'd love to help them get up and running. And we're not the main movers on this. Warwick Baptist is the main mover, but we're jumping in with them and probably provide some funding as well as, uh, listen, we're way better off than they are. Trust me. And so if we can invest there, all the better. I think I've covered just about everything, but are you ready now? I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about the Daily Bible and where you should be. Up to page 145 if you're on time, February 1st if you're going by dates, all right? And here's what we have covered so far. I was getting worried before today because I hadn't gotten many questions. And I was thinking, why am I teaching a congregation that has all the answers already? But that wasn't true. I did start getting some questions. So let me mention the highlights and then answer a couple of questions, if I may. One, we left off last time because you haven't been around for two weeks. I haven't seen you. (laughs) Oh, that was me. Sorry. Joseph was the last story we talked about, right? And, and Tim, you didn't say anything about this in the last... Good boy. All right. So, uh, Joseph, great illustration at the end of the book of Genesis for the doctrine of providence. Does anybody... Know? It's not Rhode Island. <laughs> providence is named after <laughs> the doctrine of providence, the three major decrees that God gave. Did you know that? little theology here. The decrees of God. One, to create. Two, to sustain. Providence is part of that sustaining. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon and stars in their courses above, join with all nature and manifold witness to your great faithfulness, mercy and love. You know that song. So, Providence is what God does in the world, guiding everything to an appointed good end, which is why Christians can say, according to Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Anybody remember that? Okay, so Joseph says when he finally meets his brothers, you dirty rats meant it for evil. He didn't call them that although I probably would have, right? They sold him into slavery, all of that. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good, because in his sovereignty and his providence, he was going to save your entire family because of your sin. Now, here's the problem. Christians say, see, even my sin works out good, so have at it. (laughs) Now you're missing the point. Okay. So that's providence. Never okay to do evil, but God is on the throne and hasn't lost control of this mess, even though some days I wonder, right? But he has not. Second, you meet Moses as you're coming up through the story, and we find that great revelation of the name. Who is it that's sending me to deliver the Israelites? Who is it? I am has sent me. I am is what you will tell them. The same name that Jesus claims, right? Before Abraham was, I am the ever-living one. No beginning and end comes out of the the, uh, verb in the Hebrew for to be. The existing one, the everlasting one, the ever-existing one, the name. Also referred to as the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the way, one question I did get, I forgot about months ago. Um, Surely, I think, is in Israel. (laughs) 
so I can pick on her. Shirley asked, what is this expression in um, Genesis where one of the saints says, the fear of Isaac or the fear of Jacob? It's, a t- it's an inadvertent title for God. The fear of our fathers, the fear, the reverence and respect is aimed toward God Almighty. That's who it's referring to. So his name is revealed. God is revealing who he is, that he's the redeemer. And then we come to the great story of the Passover, right? We'll be celebrating that soon. Not us, but we, it will be being celebrated very soon. We're coming toward Easter. That's the Passover season. Passover still celebrated thousands of years after the fact because of such a profound historical and spiritual impact. And what an illustration. It is the picture in the Old Testament of your salvation. Do you understand that? The children of Israel are slaves in Egypt. We, left to ourselves, are slaves to sin. God provides redemption to bring us out of slavery, to liberate us so we're not under the bondage And in that place in Egypt, you could end up dead, right? The the little boys were commanded to be destroyed, and uh, slaves were worthless, didn't matter. And so he brings them out of slavery, and he brings them out of death sentence, if you will, and brings them into eventually the promised land, even though they went a little bit, uh, yeah, a little uh, screaming and kicking on the way, wouldn't you say? A little bit difficult. But here's this great picture of sacrificing a lamb, pouring out the blood, splattering out on the doorposts of your house. Top, left side, right side. Anybody see a picture in that? By the way, those of you who always snicker whenever I do this, Martin Luther said it was a good idea for Christians to remind themselves. I'm behind the blood of the cross of Christ. That's how I'm rescued. And when God saw the blood over the doorpost, the picture, if you will, this preview of the cross of Christ, the destroying angel passed over the house. They were freed. They were delivered. That's why that is such an important Jewish festival every year. And it's a great illustration of our salvation. I hope you're sitting here today, and I doubt everyone in this room can say this is true, and know that the blood of Christ has been applied to the doorpost of your house, your personal heart, so that you're forgiven and the death-destroying angel will pass over. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, given under heaven. I know that's politically incorrect. That's the problem with truth. It's often politically incorrect. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's no different than the Jewish story. Well, I believe that, but I don't need to literally put the blood on my doorpost. Uh -uh, Dead. Doesn't work. I've got to apply it to myself. I hope you have done that as well. We'd love to talk to you about it anytime. You can write it on a little card note. Hand it in. Drop it in the box in the foyer. Give it to somebody who looks like they know what they're doing. Well, maybe that won't work. I don't know. (laughs) Exodus chapter 12, the story of the Passover. Anybody know what God was judging? The gods of Egypt. I'm going to bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. Can you imagine if God judged our idols today? 
my beamer just got fried to a crisp. What happened? Why, why me? That brings us to the next one. The Ten Commandments came up. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image, blah, 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 right? We're on the Ten Commandments, by the way. And believe it or not, I will preach on it this morning. I'm getting there. If I, this afternoon, yeah. It's, no, 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 no. Everybody behave. Y'all calm down. Ten Commandments. By the way, they're wandering in the, in the desert, right? Remember the desert wanderings? They get into the... What does God do to show that he is totally dependable? He feeds them with manna from heaven. Anybody remember Dr. Stephen Olford from Calvary Baptist in the city? The, uh, yeah, some of you do. Great revival preacher. He wrote a little booklet. It was a devotional booklet for Christians called Manna in the Morning. You get the little application here. See, I'm fleshing this out so you don't miss all the fun stuff you've been reading. Manna in the morning, you collect the manna every day. On s- Friday night, you, I got to get my days right here because I'm a Christian. You know, I have Sabbath in my mind is Sunday, but not then. It's Saturday. Friday night, there'd be extra from Friday morning. You save that. It would last you through the Sabbath so you didn't work on the Sabbath day. If people went out and tried to find it on the Sabbath day, they'd get in trouble. All right? So, manna in the morning, just enough for the daily provision. You can't save it up. Well, I read my Bible yesterday. You can't save it up. I read, you know, I went to church six months ago. You can't save it up. (laughs) Don't, now, sister... She, she, I don't know if you, can I just, can I use, can I use what you just said? She says, that's not funny. You're right. And I haven't gotten to the Sabbath day commandment yet. Wait till I get to that one. Wait till I get started. I haven't started yet. Okay, so man in the morning. We also saw the great story of the golden calf and that went well for everybody, didn't it? The Levites were honored because... Moses said, all right, who?" and do you realize what was going on there? It's relevant to today's command. What was going on was the peoples around them taught them fertility cults. And so whenever they were involved in partying with false gods, it was usually sexual. And so the... I haven't gotten to the sermon yet. So, this was a serious breach of the covenant law. And Moses said, everybody strap on your sword, go through the camp, kill everybody that's doing this wrongness. And they killed him. And Moses, you know, says, for God, the blessing of God comes on the Levites right there. Boy, we don't like that kind of hardness, do we? This is why we don't fully, and beginning my sermon, I'm going to be talking about the fact we cannot fully appreciate the grace that we have if we don't understand the holiness of God and why he has communicated his laws. We can't. Then there was the layout of the tabernacle, Kathy. She sent me a question. This was great. So I love this. Where is this? Um, a question. Why are so many minute details included in the section on the tabernacle? Anybody notice that? 
there's a lot of minute details. And the reason is, there will be spiritual blessing to everyone who memorizes every one of those details. I'm also selling land in Florida if you want to... No. Let me, let me finish. Yeah, bridge down in Brooklyn. Um, I understand all of it had to do with obedience, yes, but why was it all recorded? Just curious. That was a great question. I thought, that's good. So let me give you some reasons why. One, have you ever played the game telephone at a party? What happens? Somebody whispers. By the time it goes around the circle of 42 people, it's totally different than where it started. Is that right? So God had a, um, a vested interest in making sure we get this thing right. So there's many details. Does every peg mean something? No. Pegs hold up the tent. Okay? But he's describing in detail how it ought to be. Why is it so important? Because the tabernacle, one, was going to be a place of worship. It was going to be a place to honor God. Therefore, it is ornate and um, decorative. It's artistic because God is creative and artistic and beautiful. We sang beautiful one this morning. It's a right thing for it to be beautiful. That was good. And he was interested in those details. You notice he didn't give all the details about the pomegranates and how it would look. We don't totally know how it looked. But there was detail given because he wanted it done right. Why? Because what was happening on the planet was not only for his worship, but was also a picture of the heavenly realities that were represented. So how you approach God, whether there's a laver to wash your hands, whether there's incense as a picture of prayer, whether there was all of that sacrificial blood to put on the mur- all of that mattered because it was telling a story about the person of Jesus who was coming. And he didn't want it messed up. He didn't want a telephone event. He wanted it accurate. Plus, let me add to that. Have you ever seen, uh, you've, you've heard the joke about what is a camel? A camel is a horse put together by a committee, right? So if you have a committee deciding how you're going to do the tabernacle, well, we had 15 stakes on that side and 29 on this side, and what? God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so he's very specific on this. There's also one other thing. Hebrew language is often repetitive. Have you noticed that? When you come to the list of names in the Old Testament, my goodness. I know you love that. That's your favorite section, right? Right, Brian? Favorite section. And Mephibosheth gave birth to all the great names for your grandkids. Anyway, the point is there's a literary style that's tedious at times, repetitive, but it was important to their culture. So there's some reasons why it went the way it went. Let's see, who did I leave out? Anything? No. Uh, oh, the overgiving, I already mentioned. That was great. Manna, tabernacle, and last thing. Somebody said, oh, it was Mike. You guys are still up there. <laughs> they are patient folks. And if they're not, it's too bad, isn't it? The last one, um, 
they're my friends. Anyway, uh, Mike says to me one day at, in a small group, he goes, I almost glossed over this section. What's with that? Moses gets called by God. He's heading back home to get ready to do this great job, and God meets him and is going to kill him. Holy mackerel. I'm not telling you what that's about. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to pray about it. I'm kidding. Uh, The only answer I had, you know, there are some things we don't totally know. (laughs) Like, what was that all about? But if you read it, there are some implications. Namely, and I know this gets into the R rating again or whatever, circumcision happens, right? That the children of Israel were commanded to maintain the commitment, the covenant evidence of circumcision in their family. Back with Abraham and on. That has been forgotten during their times of slavery. And so there's this moment where this is serious business to me. You're representing the covenant people of God. I'm a covenant-keeping God. Why haven't you done this? And the mom figures it out and saves the day. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) Mom saves the day. Right? If you read it, that's what happened. But there's one other thing I'd like to posit for you to ponder before we sing this phenomenal song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Anybody remember the Chronicles of Narnia? Lucy asks, is Aslan safe? Is he quite safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. You guys want safe Christianity. You keep Jesus in your little billfold, nice and... That's not the real God, friends. He's not safe, but he's good. And it's an adventure. Let's sing about it. Let's stand together. Oh 
people said, and remain standing as we read the Word of God together. If you want to follow along, it's page 77 in the black version in the chair. Chapter 20, Exodus, then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands and to those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, illumine our minds, we pray, and help us in spite of the opposition of our adversary 
who is most assuredly at work, has a foothold even here to hold us back. In the great name of Jesus, help us, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Figured you probably were wondering if you'd ever get to sit down again. So, so I decided I'd put my job at risk and put a title like this on the website, Conversing with Ashley Madison. Yeah, wow. Passage we'll use in a few moments is Galatians 5. I won't make you turn to it. I did put it on the screen. But let me just mention some facts about AM, Ashley Madison, a Canadian website with supposedly at the time when it became notorious, 37 million people who uh, had their accounts hacked, which is why it became a big deal. Now the number, however, is 51 million people who are on Ashley Madison's website. And um, it is a website that's catch line was, although they've taken it down, life is short, have an affair. I was looking for that because I wanted to be able to speak into it with a certain amount of right facts and uh, not get confused in any way. A young woman named Meredith, middle age, I don't know, she's got kids, a work-from-home mother of three who writes about the inappropriate side of marriage and motherhood on her blog, that's inappropriate.net. I like that. She is also a contributor on the parenting team at today.com, wrote a spillage, if you will, of reaction to discovering this website that we're talking about. And here's what she said, and I will sanitize it. What the heck? Is this for real? Number one. Number two. No, seriously, is this a real thing? Number three. 37 million people use this? Do these people have jobs? Four. If you're married and have a job, where the... Do you find the time for dating websites? Number five, I'm really confused. 37 million people? (laughs) At least she's got a sense of humor. Number six, if life is short, shouldn't you love the one you're with? You know, the one you married? Seven, who is going to be liable for all the murders that occur when the 37 million members' information is leaked? (laughs) Unfortunately, there's more hardcore truth to that. It is funny, but it's also not at the same time. Number eight, I hope John Bobbitt isn't a member. You have to be a little older to remember that one. Nine, I bet divorce attorneys love to advertise on this site. Ten, if you're married, aren't you supposed to be monogamous? Am I thinking of something else? Eleven, you probably need to be really organized to cheat. I can't remember where I put my car keys. I would get caught in like five minutes. <laughs> Twelve, married dating is a thing? If you're married, why are you dating? Thirteen, I am really having a difficult time with this. Fourteen, this is the most reputable married dating company. There are more? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Fifteen, this website has a guarantee? How can you guarantee you will find the perfect affair partner? (laughs) 
Number 16, this is a rabbit hole. I need to stop. Maybe instead of saying I do, people should say I'll try, but when I get bored, I'll try something else because life is short. Have an affair. Today's uh, message is only rated G, but in the weeks ahead, which probably to cover it adequately, I will need about 10 to 15 weeks. Not really. But uh, it will be PG-13 only because it has to be. I needed to use some humor on the subject because it is unfortunately quite painful. And for some people in the room, I'm sure it's bringing up painful memories and things that have been difficult. And my job is to pastor us. It's a huge issue. It's everywhere. Uh, And everything about the commandment that we're looking at today, thou shalt not commit adultery, is about all of our sexuality. That's what is, that's the only word I'll be using, all right? He kind of like had a smiled coronary up here. <laughs> it's a serious issue. It's impossible to skip over, and it's impossible not to be somewhat explicit. I don't mean gruesome details, but be clear about what is actually happening. We read something like that, it's obviously outrageous, and yet the culture that we're in, it's not so much. Classics have been written. The problem is not that there's not knowledge and answers and biblical truth to weigh in to fix things in the world that's broken. It's that we ignore it all. Uh, It's not allowed. It's politically incorrect. It's not convenient. goes against the tide, whatever. Back when the sexual revolution broke out, that was my generation, and we fell for that crock, because that's what it was. John White, a committed brother, a psychiatrist, and a committed disciple who has written The Cost of Commitment, The Fight, People in Prayer, Parents in Pain, and The Mass of Melancholy. So he's been around. Deep thinker, very articulate, very helpful, wrote this book. I love the title. Eros defiled. You know why he used that title? Because the words for love in the New Testament are three, right? There's phileo, brotherly love, like Philadelphia, which may or may not give you an experience of brotherly love, depending on what you experience there when you visit. Phileo, agape, which the Christians pirated and turned it into loving my brother above my own self like Jesus loved us, you know, learning how to give that kind of love to people. Uh, pure love. The other word is not a bad word in itself. It's eros, from which we get erotic. It's not a bad thing in itself, except for the way we trash it. That's the problem. So the title is Eros Defiled, The Christian and Sexual Guilt. This was done by um, InterVarsity Press years ago. I'm sure it's still accessible. I highly recommend it. He dedicates it to my patients. who have taught me to look with fresh eyes on the pains and the problems wrought by sexual sin. I'm not doing this to be spectacular. I'm not doing this to be a smart aleck. I'm doing it because it needs to be said, and so many churches and church people don't want to talk about it. But if the church doesn't talk about it, give up on the rest of the planet. 
Do you understand that the Roman Empire, which was perverse in many ways, was won by Christianity, and the biggest moral impact was their sexuality? The biggest. That was where the boundaries were finally brought into play. Our generation has largely dropped the ball. I find myself extolling a parent when I interact with one who's actually talking down dirty about this. You know what I mean? I'm using that in the best sense of the word. Talking about this factually, clearly with their children. I'm like, God bless you. Because mostly it doesn't happen. And I've watched that decline for 30 years. My own eyes in ministry. It's exasperating. They're not going to figure it out right. Did you? Learning it from your buddies and the street, did you get it right? I need insight and guidance. So my reason for being on this today is not to cause pain, embarrassment, or condemnation in any way, because in Christ there is none. You can get victory and be free. Isn't that good news? can actually have a clear conscience. I do, and I went through that generation. I'm also not providing temptation. Someone's going to come back next week and say, that was a great website. Thanks for turning me on to it. (laughs) And then you may see the violent side of Pastor John. What is it like to be healed? So let me make one more statement along this line, and I really don't care if I have to cut my sermon in half because I plan to. I kind of did. And that, that would go back to my, my childhood. This is personal. My mom, because I, those of you who have heard my story before know that my father was a very vile person. And he was adulterous, way off the scales as far as that goes, totally unfaithful in almost every way. He was violent, crude, And um, so, thankfully, I'm mostly normal (laughs) because my mom got rid of him, even though the scripture is very clear about the opinion on divorce. You know that. And by the way, can I just put a plug in for the marriage classes? One of the best things in the universe, if you've wondered, oh, is it really worth fighting my way through this? Yes. Yes. Because you realize every time you get out and start again, your chances of success go down statistically over and over. It's like a suicide mission. So that's just the facts. That has nothing to do with my opinion. It's the facts. It's the data. So I go back to that story. My mom used to sit in church. I remember this. It's a sister church of ours, as a matter of fact, down in New York City. And uh, where I became, I was a new Christian. I went back there. I got baptized and started serving and then went off to seminary. But I remember my mom would sit in church, and whenever the subject of divorce came up, how do you think she felt? But here's why she wasn't healed. You're right. She felt, he's talking to me. He's condemning me. No, he isn't. He probably didn't even think about you this week. I knew the guy. When I'm free, I embrace the truth. I know what that brother's saying is true. Oh, it brings up a painful memory, but thank God for the grace of God that liberates us. So you preach it, brother. You see what I'm saying? 
because I want everyone else to be able to walk in the kind of freedom that I'm experiencing. Parking in my death zone where I've been wounded. And by, brothers, I'm just going to tell you, it's been probably the most consterning. Is that a word? Causing consternation for me as a brother, how many people are carrying wounds and need desperate healing and have never expected God to help you? You're still stuck. So I avoid this. I avoid this holiday. I avoid that. I don't want to face this. I don't want to hear it. That's not freedom. That's bondage. Oh, it's normal. No, it isn't. It's average. There's a difference between being average and being normal. There's freedom. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I don't know how to put more compassion into what I'm saying. It doesn't mean we don't have agony. It doesn't mean we don't have pain. It doesn't mean we don't have grief. It doesn't mean we don't hurt over things. We do. But I do not have to be immobilized by it. I can move ahead and experience freedom. I remember that constantly as I sat as a young child listening to the after-church discussions and how unprofitable that was. Where's the victory? Where's the way out? There is a way out. So that was all by way of introduction, and it's awfully quiet in here, isn't it? And rightfully so. This is not a light subject. It isn't. So let me begin with the text that I want to use to speak into this commandment, and it's found in the book of Galatians, and there's a reason that I picked it. So it's a longer text than normal. Uh, it talks about the big picture, if I may. I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Uh, here's the verse I want to pull back later. Immorality, impurity, sensuality. If you have the King James, they also add adultery at the beginning of the list. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, period. Ooh, ow. Boy, we could be on that for about five hours, right? And all those fun things. <laughs> what is it about that? We look at that, it's like, obviously, that stuff is really ugly. But some of it, we think, is maybe fun. That depends, right? Let's talk about the law of law and liberty. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. We can't fully appreciate grace unless we have the law, unless we understand the absolutes that God had in mind. Why does he give his laws? Did God arbitrarily just say, oh, I think I'll make this the rule. I, I, just, I just like it. We could have to jump this high, but I think I'm going to make you jump this high. Is that how it worked? It's just whimsical. He's like woke up on the wrong side of the heavenly cloud bed that morning and made it hard. No, all of these commands are connected with, first of all, his nature, who is holy and loving. Both things. We like just the love part. He's holy and loving. And so man was created in his image. We're designed to be connected with that kind of reality, loving and holy. 
That's why these commands connect with reality. Those who rebel against them are fighting the real universe and don't even realize it. That's why. So I need to understand what God says and how holiness works and all of that so that I can really experience liberty, dependence on God. What did we just read? Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, right? Walk in the Spirit. Have I made it my occupation as a Christian to know what it means to walk in the Spirit? Have I? Because if I haven't, I'm missing it. Anybody remember that great story, um, the never-ending story, the movie? Remember that? Anybody? You've got to be old to enjoy things like this, so I'm old, so I enjoy it. Never-ending story. He's on a quest. Atreo is on a quest. And uh, just to fill you in, if you've never seen it, he encounters this wise one. It's this huge turtle. I don't know why they picked a turtle. Big tortoise. And he's a real sarcastic old wise and sage. And he goes, how do I get to some place? And the guy goes, you can't. <laughs> What do you mean I can't? No, it's 10,000 miles away. <laughs> In other words, he's enjoying torturing a trail, you know. You can't. That's almost what the Spirit's saying to you. Oh, I want to be holy. You can't. It's 10,000 miles above you. You can't reach it. <laughs> Isn't it? Who, I'm freaky or that's freaky? That's what I heard. That's freaky. So, you can't. How do I live the Christian life? Can I just tell you straight up? You can't. That's the problem. Now, you can have two reactions. Say, oh, good, I'm going to go eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I die. No, 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 that's not what it's saying. You can't, but he can so the whole point of everything that we're reading in the law, everything that we read in the New Testament, is dependence on God. I have been made to live in connection with the living God who made me. I'm dysfunctional until I'm doing that. Does that help answer the question a little bit? Anybody notice that you blow it? It's been a long time since I've blown it. About five hours, I think. The Holy Spirit makes up for that. Carries me. First of all, the blood of Jesus has atoned for that. That's fine. And I don't sit back complacently and say, oh, good, I'm forgiven. Woo, just don't even worry about it. No, I want to live for the honor of God. So Holy Spirit, carry me. Pick me up. And carry me. Help me. Help me learn how to hear him. The commandments are not just don't do's. They're do's. So when you think about all these don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, think about what is the positive twist on this. That's why I like Martin Luther. His, um, let me read this to you. His um, small catechism, seventh commandment. Uh, No, that's stealing. We already talked about that, although there's a relationship here. 
Sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a chaste and decent life in word and deed. The husband and wife each love and honor the other. So that's a do, right? That's doing. God has given us the sixth commandment as a safeguard of marriage and the proper relationship between the sexes. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and woman, one flesh, entered into by mutual consent and promise. This was before all the political issues. Just straight up, this is what it is. What God has joined together. What does God mean? And we'll talk about this in just a minute. What does he mean by adultery? See, people love to grab the law and say, well, I wasn't married, so therefore I'm off the hook, right? That's why I had that section up there, all of those words. So let me park on this, though, for just one more minute. There was a time when there were people among the Pharisees in Jesus' day who really wanted to know, how do I please God? How do I get into heaven? How do I please God? How does this thing really work? Anybody notice it did happen in the New Testament? Not very often. Usually they were out to get them. You don't know any religious people like that that are out to get you, do you? Oh, anyway, but, gee, I digress. Jesus was asked, well, how, how does this work? Here's the response. He said to them, here's the summation of your Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Remember this? And... This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. I had a course on is, uh, the religion of Israel when I was in college. And uh, the rabbi who was teaching it said, some of the classic rabbis' answer to what is the greatest commandment was exactly that. And he said, the rest is commentary. <laughs> love God all, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. The rest is commentary. That kind of captures it. The rest is commentary. We are the image bearers of the living God. Remember when my friend Gary was here speaking about relationally broken, gender-conflicted people? The guy that started that ministry was Andrew Comiskey. He wrote this book, Strength and Weakness. He makes this statement, the bearing of God's image then involves two things for humanity. Watch, an upright relationship with the creator and a commitment to relating to his fellow image bearers. It's two directional, up and sideways. And the second creation account, Genesis 2, helps us understand the implications of all of this because marriage was the first step of interaction with my fellow image bearer. My spouse started there. That's where it begins. It's bigger than us, isn't it? It's bigger than just what I'm feeling and what I, my appetite is dictating. It's a bigger picture for the believer. God's got something big going on. Anybody remember the, in the, when you were reading in the um, Old Testament, those of you who are going through the Bible, did you, did you see the episode of Desperate Housewives in there? There was an episode of Desperate Housewives, right? There were a couple. There's one classic one. Anybody want to guess? Genesis 39. All right? Joseph 
This godly young man is in Potiphar's home. He's the boss. He runs everything. He's Alfred to Batman. You know what I mean? He runs everything. He's got the limo. He's got the works. And this woman, who I'm sure was not bad looking and definitely decked out, you know, probably drove a Maserati. They found that in archaeology, by the way. No. <laughs> You know, lots of bling. What's the, what's the Pandora? Yeah. Lots. Just, babe, probably smelled good. Hey, uh, Joseph, you're really hot. Oh, come on. And Joseph said, nah, you're just not my type. Nah, you're not good enough for me. Not, nothing like that. I'm sure she was attractive. I'm trying to make a point here. Here's how he responds. There is no one greater in this house than I. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife, you... <laughs> Slow on the uptake, girl. Because you're his wife... How then could I do this great evil and sin against? Now, he's already given homage to his boss. I'm sinning against him if I do this. I'm sinning against you, honey, even though you don't think so, if I do this. And I'm sinning against myself. But there's something more important than all of that. I'm sinning against the living God. I have said, and I'll say it till I'm dead if I have to, unbelief is our besetting sin. The children of Israel could not enter the promised land because of their rebellion and fussing and fighting and immorality. No, their unbelief kept them from seeing reality. What is the ultimate reality? How could I do this and sin against God? There's a big difference, brothers and sisters, between having an opinion and having convictions. We all have opinions. Everyone in here would probably agree with Well, There may be a few who'd say, I think you're crazy and I'm going to do what I want. I know some who are planning to do. I mean, they may do what they want. You know, we do. I'm not. Let me tell you, it, it, it's more than you think. All I'm trying to say is I can have an opinion that this is bad. It's a whole nother thing for me to have a conviction because a conviction is something I'm going to die for before I break it. Die for it. Oh, how, what are you, a fanatic? Yes. And I can't change my mind and I won't change the subject. That's a fanatic, by the way. If you have your... Um, your note paper, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to cut it off right there because our time is up. And I don't even want to go into the next section on the law of bondage of what it's describing in that text because this is really where I have to begin. And let me encourage you that at the bottom it says, there's a, a, a little ant fill in there, number three, the line you must draw, the line you must draw is a line of conviction, not opinion, that what God says is true his way is right. He is the one who speaks reality. And my opinion that doesn't agree with him is wrong. I've got to establish that line and have that spirit. I can't tell you how many times Joseph inspired me. 
when I had a person in a church in another place and time literally come into my office, sit on my lap and say, I want to have an affair. She was not unattractive. How can I do this against you, him, me, but there's something more important? God. We joke about songs, be careful little eyes what you see. Remember all that? Oh, it's so cutesy. We forget that God is alive and he's watching and we will give an account. So if you've never settled that issue in your spirit that you want a line in the sand that you won't cross, that's part of lordship. That's what's broken in so many Christian lives. He's not the boss. I know better. Oh, I wish I had time to unpack all of that right now. The deceptions that I had on my notes. Don't you want to know? Got to wait. Let's stand together. I want to thank you for your grace, King Jesus, on our behalf. I want to thank you for the grace of my people today because what I'm speaking is hard, in-your-face doctrine. But, Lord, I'm going to be... I, I, you know your servant. You know me in and out. You know that I believe this is the broken issue of our entire culture, if not the world that we live in today more than any other. Almost every other thing is like small potatoes compared to the wreckage that we're bringing into lives and homes and children, into, into our bodies and into our beds and everything else. Lord, I would love to see your church in this generation rise up like the early church who actually molded the corrupt Roman Empire to God's mind about sexual ethics. It's a good gift you gave us. It's a beautiful gift. And every good gift comes from you, but it's to be used the way you say reality works. So, Father, wherever there's a short circuit in any of my brothers or sisters, or if somebody needs to become a brother or sister in Christ today, the entire past and wrong thinking can be washed away through the blood of Christ. The computer can be reconfigured and we can start thinking God's thoughts after him. And I don't have to say, how could I do this against you? Because I don't want to. Lord Jesus, help your people. You've called us not to be happy. You've called us to be holy. And if we will seek that, we will have joy. So would you help us today, we pray in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Be careful leaving. If you need to talk or pray with somebody, we'll be here. God bless you as you go.